Welcome back to another episode of Heart on the Hill. Last week, I interviewed Christina Caramo, who is running for Secretary of State in the great state of Michigan. Thank you again for joining us, Christina. Heart on the Hill is your go-to for all the happenings in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Yes, it is called Heart on the Hill, but I will be taking a deep dive into elections, state politics, national issues, the House, the Senate, and the White House. So buckle up and get ready for another episode of Heart on the Hill. It's politics. What could be as exciting and dramatic as that? Former vice presidential candidate and former Republican governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin, lost to Democrat Mary Peltola in a special election held earlier this month. The winner, however, was just announced this week due to mail-in voting and the new ranked choice system that Alaska uses. According to the New York Times, Palin and Peltola were joined in the race by a Republican who is a member of a very prominent Democratic family in the state, Nicholas Begich III. This election comes as Republican Representative Don Young passed away back in March. Peltola came out on top of this new system in the first round, but only won the race after Begich was removed from the ballot after tallies of the first round. Nevertheless, Anchorage Daily News reports that Palin only scored half of the voters who preferred Begich III. Already trailing the Trump-endorsed candidate, was not able to make a comeback from her first-round setback. And according to the Associated Press, Peltola is the first Alaska native to serve in the House and the first woman to hold this seat. All three are set to square off again in November, when the seat is up for a full two-year term. Now, this is a really interesting story to me. Sarah Palin lost this election. Sarah Palin is a household name in the state of Alaska, but she lost. And it's interesting to look at this new system that Alaska is using, ranked choice voting. It's a very interesting system, and I'm not going to go into the logistics of it, but it's fascinating to see the consequences that it may have had on this election, and I would love to look into that even more so about how it played out and how it would have been different maybe if it was just two candidates. It's a very fascinating thing to look into, I'm sure. But I also want to focus on this. As I see it, the Republicans are very confident about their chances in November in both the House and Senate. And they have right to be so. I mean, look at the country. Rising inflation. Gas prices still through the roof. And other issues such as immigration, a baby formula shortage, and so much more. There's violent crime happening across the country. And it seems like we're in chaotic times. But that doesn't mean the Democrats are having a lost cause. They still have a chance of winning this. And this election shows just that. I mean, look at it. The seat went from a Republican to a Democrat in Alaska. Just think about some other states. What may happen? Republicans need to have humble confidence and humble optimism and be cautious and weary of moving forward too fast and thinking that it's already in the bag. And Democrats need to look at the issues they need to focus on. What should they focus on, in my opinion? Well, I think that the Democrats need to focus on issues like abortion, social issues. That's what's going to get them the middle, I truly believe. And that's what they need. But we shall see in November what happens.
The House panel on the January 6th Capitol attacks are asking former House Speaker Newt Gingrich to provide information on his dealings with the day and the days leading up to this tragedy. The committee's chairman, Mississippi Representative Benny Thompson, sent a letter to the former speaker on Thursday saying the committee has obtained information indicating that you have knowledge about former President Donald J. Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. And we write to seek your voluntary cooperation. Some of the information that we have obtained includes email messages that you exchange with senior advisors to President Trump and others, including Jared Kushner and Jason Miller, in which you provided detailed input into television advertisements that repeated and relied upon false claims about fraud in the 2020 election. These advertising efforts were not designed to encourage voting for a particular candidate. Instead, these efforts attempted to cast doubt on the outcome of the election. After voting had already taken place, they encouraged members of the public to contact their state officials and pressure them to challenge and overturn the results of the election. To that end, these advertisements were intentionally aired in the days leading up to December 14th, 2020, the day electors from each state met to cast their votes for president and vice president. Later on, the letter says that on the evening of January 6th, you, New Gingrich, continued to push a efforts to overturn the election results you emailed mr meadows at 10:42 p.m after the capitol had been cleared of rioters and members of congress had returned to finish certifying the election results and asked are there letters from state legislators about decertifying electors accordingly you appear to have been involved with president trump's efforts to stop the certification of the election results even after the attack on the capitol and the letter ends with this a full and accurate accounting of what happened on January 6th is critical to the select committee's legislative recommendations, and the American people deserve to understand this relevant details of what led to the attack. Now, overall, I think this is a very interesting situation. I really want to focus on the end of that letter, though. It says that the American people deserve to know. And I think they do. I think that's very important. We should be investigating what happened, how this was allowed to happen. But we should also note, it's horrendous that this is such a partisan job. And I, I understand that a lot of it has to do with the right because there was a sitting president who was on the Republican, was on the Republican Party's side and he caused a lot of the issues of election fraud to be brought up and that, that maybe did lead to January 6th. But it shouldn't be partisan both sides should want to look into this, but they should also not just be attacking one party and one person. It should be just, hey, what happened and how can we prevent it from happening again? And we should also, I want to note, we should also be looking at the BLM riots. Why isn't there a huge investigation in that? That wasn't big primetime news. This was on primetime, if you remember back a while ago. And that's the sad thing. A committee hearing on primetime news for pure entertainment. That is corruption at its finest, in my opinion. And I applaud members on this who want to investigate this, but I think we should be doing so in a bipartisan manner that looks at the actual issue and doesn't just look at partisan politics. And that's my concern about this. And that's my concern about as we go on and on years to come, that it may come to this every time now because this is setting a poor precedent. And it breaks my heart to see that. It breaks my heart to see that our country is so divided 
and that we, as I said, are airing this on things on prime time and continually just putting emphasis on that. This should be investigated, but not how it is being done so right now. And it breaks my heart to see that. But we shall see as time goes by the repercussions that come from this and the consequences we will see from this. There are bound to be some, and it will take time to see them, but we definitely will see them. Florida Representative Charlie Chris resigned his seat on Wednesday in light of a growing challenge to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis for the governorship in the great state of Florida. It is important to note that the Democrat served as governor of the state from 2007 to 2011. In a press release, Chris said that serving as the representative of Florida's 13th Congressional District has been an honor and a privilege. When I first took office nearly six years ago, I vowed to defend our veterans, bring jobs to Florida, flight, fight climate change, and put people over politics. As I close out my time in Congress, I could not be prouder of the work we've done to uphold those promises. Passing legislation to support our veterans, expanding solar energy in the Sunshine State, securing millions in direct funding for community projects, and returning over $6 million in earned benefits to the people of Pinellas. Now, going back earlier in the press release, it does it is important to note that it says that the staff or the office of the 13th Congressional District of Florida will continue to provide casework and constituent services until representatives for the newly redistricted 13th and 14th Congressional Districts of Florida are sworn in in January. This is a very interesting story to me because a sitting member is vacating their seat to run against a widely popular governor who has... I mean, his own concerns, but is also very well liked among the Republican Party and maybe a 2024 presidential candidate. So it's interesting to see how that is playing out and how Chris did serve as governor and wants that seat back. He wants that governor's mansion back. And it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out as the election comes up in November and who will take over for him. Joining us now is Anna Paulina Luna, who is running in the general area that Chris governed as a representative. Now I am saying that the general area because of redistricting. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to be on with you guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I really want to just chat with you today about... um. Chris recently announced that he's resigning from Congress to go fight Ron DeSantis. And I would love to get your thoughts as you are now running in that district. What do you think of that? And how do you think it's going to influence things in your specific district? Well, I can tell you that starting in 2020, we knew that we were in redistricting year or coming up on, on a redistricting year for the districts. So I think that Charlie Chris saw the writing on the wall early on that he would likely be redistricted out of the community, being that Pinellas County, you know, we're one of the biggest, most populated communities in the state of Florida. And so I think that that's when he was kind of angling to either run for Senate and or governor. We'd actually picked up chatter that he was considering either options. But obviously now that we have redistricted, this is a very red seat. And frankly, I think it says a lot to voters that Charlie, you know, 
effectively abandoned the constituents without representation so that he could focus on his governorship when he knows, according to his polling, that he's not going to win. And so I think that he's angling for a cabinet position within the Biden administration. Yeah, interesting. And so what are you now doing as you gear up for this election? I mean, it's a pretty interesting district to watch. And I'm just I'd love to hear your thoughts on this current year, especially given the chaos that we've seen over the last few years in our country. Yeah, the number one issue for us right now is really fighting um, the government corruption that we've been seeing. Also, to remember, we have some of the highest inflation we've had in decades. And I think that there's a lot of people, although the Democrat Party is trying to make this midterm nationally about January 6th and abortion, there are a lot of people that are struggling to even put groceries on their table. You know, so we're focusing on that. And then I'm very honored to be in one of the biggest veteran districts in all of the the United States. And so as a veteran myself, obviously, my husband and I have gone through the VA system. We know what reform is needed. And so I'm very much so focused on providing constituent services and then also to helping to actually fix the VA system because of the bureaucracy that's really been apparent in the last, you know, number of years. Yeah. And I'll just end with this. And you kind of touched on this, but... If elected, really, what do you want to focus on maybe that you think Chris has missed out and forgotten about the people in the district? Oh, my gosh. Um, Chris, this has been the most frustrating thing for me. As I said, I'm a vet. You know, when I the last time in a Democrat seat before it was redistricted, we had a number of veterans, like hundreds of people that were coming forward saying that they weren't actually getting response and representation from Charlie Chris's office that they needed help with the VA and their ratings. And obviously, because I wasn't in office, I couldn't help them. So I had to refer their cases to either uh, Representative Gates or Stubbe's offices. And so I can tell you that one of the main things I would like to focus on is actually reforming the way that the VA does the rating systems for disabled and or wounded veterans. I think that that system is so overly complicated and backwards that, you know, you can have people that are missing limbs because of IEDs and war trauma, and they're actually given, and their rating is taken away from them if they're given a prosthetic because they have, quote-unquote, higher range of mobility. So that in itself needs to be completely done away with. I would also like to do away with this unnecessary pork spending. So the Democrats will like to use veterans as kind of the face of their bills, but then they actually don't give veterans those benefits. So there's over 400000 millions of dollars that doesn't even go to vets. It goes to other causes, and they'll just say it's for vets. And so I would like to stop, you know, politicians in general for, from using veterans. If you're going to give money to vets, let's have it all go to the vets, not just to use us for, you know, the, the pet spending. And then also, to one of the biggest threats that we're currently facing in this country is the rise of China. And so China's been really using our social media. They've been using Internet censorship against the American people. And so I think that big tech needs to be treated like a public utility, similar to how you have radio, print, and television. And I think once we actually get Congress back, we can actually sponsor bills to either break up and or rewrite the legislation that actually gives candidates and people fair access to those platforms. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Have a great Thank you for having me on, and I look forward to coming back.
The president recently called MAGA Republicans a threat to democracy. Take a listen. MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. This is why in this moment, those of you who love this country, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America. Press Secretary Jean-Pierre echoed the president's sentiments at a White House press briefing on Wednesday, saying... I mean, the, the president has been, has been really clear about the leadership, right? The MAGA Republicans uh, in leadership. Uh, they're the ones who have the platform. Uh, they're the ones who, uh, again, the extremist part of the Republican Party. Uh, they're the ones who, uh, you know, folks listen to uh, in their own party. And by inciting violence, by trying to take away, they're the ones who are the legislators and trying to take away our rights, uh, trying to take away our freedoms. And that's who the president is speaking to, right? He's being very targeted in that way and calling that out uh, and saying, you know, we can't allow our democracy to be attacked in this way. And they have a responsibility, right? They have a responsibility in how uh, uh, they are doing their business on behalf of uh, their constituents. Now, personally, I think this is very, very harmful to our country. I mean, look at it. He's calling around half of the country a threat to democracy. No matter whether he agrees or disagrees with former President Trump and the people who supported him, he is the president of the United States. He is still in charge of representing and protecting all American citizens, no matter who they voted for and who they will vote for in the future. It is his job to ensure that everyone has their rights protected and their freedom that they so deserve. Quite honestly, things like this scare me a great deal because... It shows a division in our country. I mean, I look around at my own life and I look around the circles I'm in, whether it be on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and the division I see on there. Friends, family, neighbors, other members of the community going after each other for certain beliefs. Even people going after each other who don't even know each other and are strangers. The divide in this country is so strong. Rather than being a fabric that is united and together, we are broken. It's interesting to me because Biden ran on building back better. And to me, I thought that included building back together. And I think a lot of people misunderstood what is going on now. And continue to misunderstand what is going on now. This call wasn't just words. It was dangerous words. Words that have a lot of meaning. Being a threat to a democracy. They're not just a part of a democracy. They're a threat to it. And they are part of this democracy. They're represented by this president. It hurts me to see this. And it's so interesting to see the path our country is moving towards. But, you know, 
I had an old show last year called On the Bright Side, and I would look at things from the bright side, and I want to take a moment to do that with you right now. Things may look like it's going to shambles. There may be division everywhere running rampant around this country. But I do know this. The American people are strong. The American people are stronger together. America is a beautiful country with patriots on both the left and the right. And I don't care if you want to come at me for saying that. I truly believe both sides have patriots who love this country and her people. We are struggling, but we don't have to struggle. We need to agree to disagree like the good old days. And I, you know, I wasn't around a long time ago to remember times of discussion like that. As I've grown up, it seems as if division was a normal thing. As if it was part of our culture, weaved into the fabric of the heart and soul of this nation. That it was commonplace. But it's not. America should be a place where we can agree to disagree. Have conversations and talk about what is going on. And that's the America I want to live in. That's the America I want for everyone. And that's the America I want for future generations. And I hope that we can all reflect on that. And reflect on what we want for this country. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Heart on the Hill. I so enjoyed talking to you today and discussing and, and discussing these things. And I enjoyed giving my thoughts out and showing what is going on in this country. And as you go into the weekend, I want to leave you with this. I think America is more united than we may appear and may think we are. We have so many things in common we don't talk about because we always put politics first. This weekend, I encourage you, go out, have conversations, get to know people, have a great weekend. Don't just stay in your echo chambers that we all so often do of being on our one-sided things, looking at one-sided news. Go out. Have a great weekend. Enjoy what we have to offer in life. It's a great country here. And we have some pretty great people. You're watching Hard on the Hill on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 WRFH. Thank you and have a great weekend.